Welcome to the Club Soda Club. We're three friends, each with our own sobriety story, sharing our personal experiences and what we've learned along the way about leading a new alcohol-free life. Welcome to the fifth meeting of the Club Soda Club. All right, I'm going to take roll call. Jessica Chur is present. Derek Bolin. I am present. Scott Graham. <clears throat> Scott Graham. Anybody? Graham. Anybody? Graham. <laughs> Anybody Graham, seen Graham. him? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Scott, Scott has an absentee problem, I think. He's, no. uh, he's not present today, unfortunately. Oh, no. I think, actually, no, he did send us something. So we have something from him. Are we just going to tack? Are we just going to tack that on at the end of this? Yeah, I listened to it and I'm like, I don't know if we throw it in at the end or at the beginning. Uh, but Scott actually made the the extra thoughtful gesture, knowing he couldn't be here, of recording uh, his piece on the topic today, which is family. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I love how you said that with this ominous tone. Like, <laughs> I'm sweating. You just know I'm sweating. The shit that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're talk- talking about family today, which uh, obviously is something that is uh, dramatically impacted by alcoholism and addiction. Um, before we jumped into that, I wanted to... Uh, so I was sitting here, I'm drinking uh, some kombucha from Oddity Kombucha, which Yay. you turned me on to. Uh, I, got the, I went back there again and got the lavender and green tea kind. Ooh, they have that kind right now? Was that... Yes. Did you go to a faculty for that? I went to faculty to fill Ooh, up my okay. fill up my growler. Yeah, I need to go get a growler of that. Delicious. It sounds so um, good. I can't remember if I had that one. Yeah, it's really good. Kate, so Kate sent me through a uh, a link to a class action lawsuit against Whole Foods. Um, last week, I think it was a class action lawsuit against Whole Foods and Health Aid Kombucha, which is a brand you can get at Whole Foods here. Um, basically, saying that. Uh, a class action lawsuit against them because it had higher than the allowed uh, alcoholic volume. You're uh, kidding. No, they ended up settling this lawsuit, class action lawsuit for like $4 million. Um, but what it means is that kombucha actually has higher than 0.5%. I'm, I'm sure it's not all kombucha, but they found in, in the bottles of health aid that they tested uh, I tested higher than 0.5%. And that kind of makes me question kombucha as a whole now. And then she sent me another picture today uh, of another kombucha brand that basically had a label that said uh, must be 21 or older to purchase. So I don't know if this is something what? like maybe it's had high alcohol content. Or like I'm sure it's not high alcohol content, but it's higher than what you would find in like non-alcoholic beer or... Um, other non-alcoholic beverages. So that's, that's kind of cause for concern for me personally. Cause I'm a, I'm a huge booch head. I love the booch. Yeah. Uh, me too. And I, I just kind of wanted to, to surface that. Huh? Well, that, that is a kind of a downer. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, I don't ever feel bad after I drink it and I don't ever feel intoxicated or even buzz. I don't feel anything from drinking it. Yeah. Like I would feel comfortable drinking it at work. So and like, yeah, and that Well, sorry, we should ahead. clarify. I work in an environment where n- drinking and at work is never okay. You work in like the tech sector where it's like Friday night tech, beers where, or whatever. Like, um yeah, I work in municipal government and so that's not okay. <laughs> so like the fact that I feel okay drinking it at work means I don't feel any kind of um 
intoxication from it. Yeah, and, and Kate kind of made the point of uh, it's it's more why you drink it than uh, like nobody's drinking kombucha to get drunk. No, uh, you would have to drink a ton of it. To, to yeah, do. It's like, like you'd I be can drink water. You can get water intoxication if you drink enough of that. And I'm mm-hmm. not doing that either. And I don't feel guilty for drinking water. So, no, I feel guilty for not drinking enough water like all the time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> drink, drink some water right now. Yes. Well, I have a Western family cucumber chill, natural cucumber flavored sparkling water right now. Oh, you posted those and they look delicious. They're okay. They are oh, um, just okay. Yeah. I probably wouldn't get them again. I, so I, I got, because they were on sale, I got a two, two 12 packs for like $8 or something. So I have like a lot of them. And I think maybe I'm just kind of sick of them because I've had so many. I'm not sure, but they're not like mind blowing. They're okay. Do they taste like cucumber? That's a flavor yeah. I appreciate. Yeah, they do. Okay. It doesn't taste like fake cucumber either. Like it tastes like it says natural cucumber flavored. It's not, it tastes like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. It, I always got yeah. a question. Natural. Well, they, yeah. You know, there's probably nothing natural in there. It's probably just like, yeah, it's like c- cucumber aroma or something. I'm not sure, but yeah, they're okay. I don't know. I probably wouldn't necessarily get them again, but if someone handed me one, I wouldn't say no. Okay, that's, I'm sure that's going to end up all over there. Glowing uh, review. Sorry, Western next family. Yeah. If someone had one, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we can get get into the family thing. I feel like this is going to be a pretty meaty topic, particularly for one of us. That one of us mm-hmm. is you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did, did you want to, Did you want me to to lead off? Because uh, yeah, because I don't know where to start. As usual, like. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't know where to start with it. Okay, uh, so I'm going to approach this from from two sides. I'm going to talk about my experience growing up uh, in a family where alcoholism was present. Uh, and then kind of talk a little bit about, you know, now that I'm a father, uh, the impact my sobriety, well, A, my drinking had on my family and, and that my sobriety has had. Because um, they are very much related like i did see a lot of the the same themes kind of playing out obviously like we all for despite our best intentions uh we all eventually kind of become our parents i think in the i don't know how that's gonna land with you that's always Um, been my fear man like oh my god yeah but I think just because of the like, you know, the oversized influence they have us in our have on us in our formative years, I think there's a lot of uh, there is a lot of shit for better or worse that kind of gets us in, ingrained in us from an early age. And I'm not saying it's like it's not a foregone conclusion, like you're not absolutely going to turn into one of your parents, but you have to work really fucking hard to kind of move past those mm-hmm. um, those behaviors that that you witness when when you are first forming as a human being. Well, the, um, that's the first environment where you start to learn like what's quote unquote acceptable in society. And depending on what that environment is like, that could really give you a skewed view of society. If you're in, for example, like how I grew up, um, thank God I like came to my senses as an older teen and, or even like an older adolescent, I guess. I don't know kid stuff. Um, I was one, but I don't know anything about like, when you become a teen versus what, an adolescent versus a toddler. Are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, but, if you can't tell the difference between teens and toddlers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there might be a problem. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just like, 
at some point you grow up and you realize like, oh, my family's kind of fucked up. But for the longest time, that's just what you know. And that scares me for my, for my, like, it's interesting to see how differently my brother and I, who grew up in the same house, how differently we came out. Um, anyway, sorry, I, I took over, but you continue. <laughs> okay. Well, I liked where you were going with that. So we'll, we'll come back to yes, that. Yeah. Um, remind me. Cause my, my story, um, you know, I, I don't think it's that interesting or, uh, necessarily traumatic. Um, I grew up in, you know, a, a fairly routine, like white middle-class existence, uh, in this like small town in the interior of BC, um, my my dad was most definitely uh, an an alcoholic, but he was the same kind of variety of of alcoholic that that I was, uh, and that all of his brothers were. And all these family gatherings would be full of these. Uh, you know, th- there wasn't any uh, abuse, either you know, physical or verbal. Um, but there there was still a lot of really. Um, overboard and problematic binge drinking going on. Um, my dad was was and is very charismatic, uh, very charming, loved to party, um, has since walked that back a lot. But like growing up in this household, uh, I remember as a kid, you know, every Saturday morning, me and my brother would get up to watch Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad would be hung over in bed. Uh, my mom too, possibly. I'm not sure if she was still drinking at that time. Um, but, and there would just be like party remnants all around the house. Like, I think I had my first sip of beer at like five years old, <laughs> out of like Two. a leftover can that was just like laying, uh, around, but there was, yeah, that was, that was kind of the environment I grew up in. So it was very like, very routine. Um, but my, my dad liked to, to work hard and definitely party hard, um, when, when the workday was over and that would manifest itself with many, many alcoholic beverages, Um, so I guess in a way that's why it took, I feel like maybe it took me so long to admit that I had a drinking problem because to me, it wasn't a problem. It was, Mm -hmm. I could go out, I could drink, I could party, I could have a good time with my friends. I could make a lot of really shitty life decisions, but they weren't really hurting anyone except myself was the way I viewed it. Right. Um, Right. Yeah, exactly. Victimless addiction, right? So, um, but then looking back, like, I know that that my dad's drinking definitely eroded um, him and my mom's relationship. They split up when I was like 15. Um, And I think the, I definitely think the drinking played played a part in that, or at least uh, decisions that were made that were possibly influenced by the drinking. Um, and then I looked at the, the impact my drinking had on my relationship, which we talked about in the last episode, mm-hmm. uh, and not just my relationship with my girlfriend at the time, but also my relationship with my son, like for a long period of time, uh, after he was born and probably when my drinking was at its worst, I was going out and getting blackout drunk at the bars, uh, every every Friday and Saturday night guaranteed. And then would come home, would pass out, would wake up the next day, just like a hungover shitty mess. And I would just like lay around the house being hungover and useless while my kid, uh, was, you know, running like 
I remember times where I would be just like passed out face down on the carpet and my kid would be like climbing all over me, trying to like get me to pay attention to him. Uh, it's kind of heartbreaking in a way to think about now that like I wasn't able, I just did a really shitty job showing up and, and being present as a father uh, for Noah during that period. Mm-hmm. Um, and since since I've sobered up, obviously, like th- things have gone. I did a post about this on on Van Sober a while ago, and it's just I'm I'm able to um, be really like present and engaged with him now. Like our Saturday mornings, or we both wake up at six a.m. because he's incapable of sleeping in on the weekends. <laughs> Thanks, Noah. Um, <laughs> and y- you know, we'll do activities together. We'll go out and do a hike, or we'll do um, even just like hang around the house and like build Legos or something if the weather's shitty. But um, I-, I think back to how I was when I was drinking, and if I was still drinking, I absolutely would not. I'd either not be able to do that at all or i would be able to do that but i'd just be like half a human being and like show up and be there physically while all i wanted to do was like puke on myself and die um so uh it's definitely improved um how i've how i've shown up in in the family unit we have now which is basically just uh me and him um but like yeah I, i think back to to my childhood and growing up and like I never felt like my dad wasn't present. Obviously I, I knew he loved us very much, but uh, you know, there was always kind of this, um, this undertone of, of alcoholism um, to, to everything. And, and like I said, I never viewed it as a problem then until uh, probably until I sobered up myself. Like even in, in my early adult years, I would, every time I would go out to my dad's, it would be a party and we just get hammered together um, much to the, uh, irritation of, of whoever I was dating at the time. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's, so that's kind of been my experience. Um, I was, uh, I was looking at some, uh, just doing some reading on this before, uh, before we started recording today. Um, and I just wanted to, to drop a couple stats in for the, the stats hounds out there. Let's hear um, uh what did i find oh first of all did you know that that codependency like identifying codependency actually first came out of a study of alcoholics um i did not know that but it's not not super surprising it makes sense yeah but like codependent traits were first identified by people who were dating or in in relationships with alcoholics or drug addicts and and it was this like group of traits that uh that kept a person enabling another human being, even mm-hmm. as they were like destroying themselves and, and putting their addiction first. Um, so, which is weird because I also feel like at times while well, I was like, can I be like a codependent and the, the person with the addiction at the same time? <laughs> like, I'm not totally sure how that works. Cause I've definitely, um, a lot of the stuff about codependency resonates with me in a big way as well. Mm. I think I, I think I misunderstood what you said. Then I thought it was that both people in the relationship were addicts or alcoholics and also codependent on each other. Are you saying that it's like one person is codependent on the other person who has the problem? 
Yeah, like I think codependency. Well, no, but that's not true because addicts will usually be codependent on another person to provide for them or to enable their addiction. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, is more like you have someone to sort of like party with when no one else wants to. At least you've always got that one person to sort of do your thing with. I don't know. Or the one person who will never, never leave you no matter how shitty things get. Yeah. Um, and then another interesting stat that is also unsurprising, but super duper depressing um, of, of married couples who get into physical altercations or where physical abuse is present. Uh, 70% of those abuse alcohol, which is, uh, yeah, not, not super surprising, but like really, it just makes me wonder why people insist on still like drinking so much of this shit. Um, when it's responsible for, for so much shittiness. Oh my God. Tell me about it. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of, I don't know, like my, my broader family, uh, also. So my dad had eight brothers. Um, they are all eight very brothers. Holy yeah, big my, family. Poor, my poor grandmother. Uh, Wait, <laughs> yeah, so there, he, there, he had no girls. No, zero girls. Holy. I think they kept trying for a girl Eight and that's how they ended up. With at some that. point, you got to draw the line, girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just got to give up your dream of having a little girl because that's yeah, just, I, wow. <laughs> I think that's what happened. So, uh, yeah, well, large, large prairie family, too, right? Yeah, like on yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah. You, need, you need kids to work the farm. Uh, right. I'm not going to have seven kids because I don't need that much help you maintaining my, st- my 700 square foot apartment. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Although right now I'm trying to uh, trying to like deep clean my apartment because my long distance girlfriend is coming to visit me for the first time Yay. next weekend, and I could definitely use an army of small children <laughs> to put to work. Right now. <laughs> Little speaking of children, um, did I just hear him in the background? <laughs> yeah, I turned and looked at him. <laughs> He's like, Are you trying per- to give him hints? <laughs> That's um, all right. It's so, fine. Yeah, yeah. So, my dad's brother's uh, same thing. Like, some of the like the craziest fucking parties I've been to in my entire life have been. Uh, with my extended, like my, my uncles and my cousins and, and they're, they're just like a very hard drinking bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, again, like not in a way that I ever viewed as problematic until I started looking at like the really insidious ways that alcohol can erode your relationships and erode, especially erode your relationship with yourself and, and erode your relationships with your kids. Um, and I, I do think that everyone in my family and extended family does have like really healthy familial relationships for the most part, but, um, they do like to drink a Mm -hmm. lot. Do you want to, do you feel comfortable talking about Um, your thing? Yeah, sure. So uh, as you were talking, a bunch of stuff sort of just started like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like there are a lot of similarities in our stories, even though, um, you said the way you describe your your upbringing is like very different from the way I would describe mine. Yet there were still so many similarities. Um, the one thing that really spoke to me—that's a weird way to phrase that—but um, when you talked about the the aftermath of parties at your place and having like half empty bottles of beer and stuff like that. So my parents love telling this story about how when I was, I think like two or three years old, they found me vomiting in a closet because I had found a bottle of beer that had a bit of beer in it, but also someone put their cigarette butt out in it. 
And I drank, oh, I drank gross. that and threw up because there was a cigarette butt in there. Wait, and, your parents love telling that story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they have, like, no shame, which is the weirdest thing. I mean, I wouldn't say they have no shame. They have no shame when it comes to other people who they know are like them. Um, but, like, they would never tell that story to, for example, my paternal grandparents who they somehow hold some respect for, I guess. Um, it's very strange. Um, so there's that story. There's another story about a time that um, my stepdad was trying to get me and my little brother to drink beer. Um, he was maybe like three or four. So I was like seven or eight and I didn't like mine. So he was like, try putting sugar in it. And so like, I just have this memory of me putting, putting like more and more sugar in my beer, trying to make it taste good. And my brother is like standing on the coffee table, like dancing because he's fucking drunk and he throws up. And my stepdad's just like, oh, so funny. Jesus. Yeah. Um, abuse. Like, holy shit. When you talked about like people getting violent, my stepdad and my mom, I used to. So I used to share a room with my brother when we were really young. And well, it's interesting, though, because we are like seven years apart. But it's, I think at like age 10, we stopped sharing a room when I was 10. But, um, so we shared a room when we were really young and he would sleep through these fights that my parents would have. And I would be just awake crying or like just waiting for it to end where my mom would be like screaming bloody murder because my dad is like dragging her down the hallway or something. At some point I heard at some point I heard something about a gun. Now, I don't know if that was like my young mind, like blowing things out of proportion, but my dad did hunt. So I keep calling him my dad. He's my stepdad. Um, He did hunt. So like he did have guns. Um, So like, I don't know if, and and the crazy thing is like the police were really never called. Um, Like we had neighbors and there's no way they didn't hear the way she was screaming. So like, I don't know, like this neighborhood that we lived in at this time that I'm thinking of specifically didn't seem like especially shady or, where you'd like expect that kind of thing to happen where some lady would be screaming her head off and no one would call the police. Um, but I, yeah, I don't ever really remember the police coming to stuff like this. And the, and, and this was all like as a kid, well, when your mom is screaming bloody murder, you don't necessarily think it's normal, but you don't think it's not normal when you're like seven years old. It's a really weird thing to grow up with. And, um, and, and so, okay, where do I go from here? <laughs> I'm just like, I've, I've talked myself into a bit of a corner. Whew. Okay. I'm getting really sweaty. Um, and then, so at some point, I don't remember exactly when, but you know, you start to learn about more, um, of the sort of after school special sort of topics at school, when they start talking about drug and alcohol use and, you know, you're taking like health classes and stuff like that. And you start to learn about these things and you're like, wait a minute, that thing that they're describing is what my parents do. So like, is there a problem? Um, And then you start to like go to your friend's houses and you're like, wow, their parents are not like my parents at all. And at some point, I think I talked about this in a previous episode uh, at some point in my like late adolescence, early teens, I realized just like how bad my living situation was. Um, Like I, 
at least once a week, my mom was passed out on the dining room table from drinking too much. She just like passed out on the dining room table or she'd be like sitting there and she'd be like falling asleep. Her head would be like bobbing. My stepdad, I don't know where he was. Sometimes he was probably doing that too. I don't quite remember. I blocked out a lot of him cause he was a shitty person, but, um, a lot, like sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'd just come out to get a drink of water or something and it's like 10 o'clock at night and she's just like dead ass asleep at the dining room table. Jesus. And then we're just How like, old were you when, when that was happening? That, um, it's funny cause I remember things based on like the house that we lived in at the time cause we moved a lot. And so this house, I remember we were in Port Coquitlam. So for that house, I was probably... Like 15, 14, 15, maybe something like that. What did you like? What was it like for you in, in the moment seeing that? Because like, obviously, at this point, you you knew what alcohol was. You knew that that this wasn't normal. I was kind of dis- um, I was kind of disgusted. I was like this. This is and maybe at the, like I part of me thinks like, oh, my teenage brain was like being selfish and like thinking like, oh, life is unfair. How dare they like put me through this? But like her being a but her totally valid. (laughs) But like, again, I think it's that thing where like you grow up with it that you think it's like, maybe it's kind of normal. Even though you see like you're learning all these things from like your peers and your teachers and you're like, no, this isn't normal. But like, it's almost like you're, I don't want to say brainwashed. I don't really know how to explain it. And so I guess it was like my normal, like this is my world, but I would still be like, ugh, like this is so disgusting. Like how dare you give me such a shitty childhood just so you can like drink yourself to sleep at the dining room table. And like we, we were poor. So like we, we would sometimes not eat very much because like they didn't have a lot of money because they would spend all their money on drugs and alcohol. Um, there were a lot of times where I was just eating like white bread with margarine. And that was like my breakfast. Um, and that was, I think around the time when I was just like, I'm never, never drinking because like, this is what drinking is. And it, so like when it comes to, I think I meant, this is the part I mentioned in another podcast where like, when it comes to like drinking and partying, I was a really late bloomer. Because I was just like, no, I don't want that life. Like, I do not want to do anything that my parents do. I'm going to be the exact opposite. And eventually, like, you know, you get worn down by friends and you see that they're having fun and you're like, okay, fine. It's not that bad. I'll just be in control. Like, I'll, I'll take it easy or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was sort of just like my normal growing up. And um, I think in a sense, maybe that's why my drinking never did... I never let it become, I never let it take control of my life. And like I was, I did binge drink, but I don't, yeah, I don't really know how to explain it. Not to the point where like, I'm I'm sure you would binge drink and and like to have a party every now and then, but I don't think you ever let it get to the point where it was like actively interfering in your life. No, like I wasn't like, I was using alcohol as more of a social crutch than anything else. Like I wasn't using it as like, Oh, I need to drink to get through the day or I need to drink to fall. Like my reasons for drinking were purely social. And like sometimes, yeah, sometimes I would accidentally drink too much, but, and that's sort of like 
what went, what was the first to go was the accidentally drinking too much, um, which I stopped doing. Like when we get to the wedding episode, we'll learn about when I stopped drinking too much. <laughs> um, holy crap. I'm really sweaty. Or that, that, that was a lot. You went into it there. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, like, I, I just, I, I got the sense of my parents' priorities being really screwed up. And I was, in spite of all of that, able to make something, if I do say so myself, like pretty great with my life. Like I've, I've come a really yeah, long absolutely. way based on where I came from. And then there's my brother who is he's just been struggling through his whole life and he hasn't had the support that he's needed. He has learning disabilities. And so, um, he's, he struggled through school. I'm actually ashamed to say, I'm not even sure if he's graduated. Like, I don't actually know. The thing is like this whole thing, like drew, drove such a huge wedge between me and my family because I just, I was so hell bent on distancing myself as much as possible as like shitty and guilty as it felt to leave my brother and sister behind in that. I had to like save myself. Um, so as soon as I could get a part-time job, um, I moved in with my boyfriend at the time's family. Like he was still living at home. I just like moved in and we just like shared their basement basically. Um, just so that like I could get the hell out of there. And I was paying them like, I think $200 a month rent. Cause I was working like part-time at A&W and I like worked my ass off A&W to be able to get full time so that I could move out of there, like to have my own place with roommates. Like I just like, as like I was 17, I was like, get me the fuck out of here or I'm going to die. And like, I don't think I ever let go of the guilt of leaving my siblings behind. My sister's done. Okay. Um, but she's still like, a mama's girl, which is so weird to me because I'm, I'm like, who could ever be a mama's girl to that woman? Yeah. I think people have a really innate gift for just like framing things the, the way they want to frame them and, and insisting like for, for a lot of people that that family loyalty um, runs really deep and i guess it's just a question of like what you value and what you're willing to excuse from someone but um yeah i know i made it i made a quip at the beginning of this episode about how like everyone becomes a, a parent one of their parents eventually but it sounds like you've kind of already uh even from the age of like 17 you you took steps to make sure that you weren't going to kind of repeat those cycles mm -hmm. and repeat those behaviors so uh that's really good for you. Like, I, I think you should be really proud of, of how far you've gone. Thank you. I remind myself of that every day. That's good. <laughs> but I also still hold on to so much anger and resentment and like, and my brother does too. Like we've talked about it. Um, how, you know, I have to sort of give him a bit of tough love though, because he, he plays the victim a lot, which like he completely is. We're both victims of trauma. Um, for some reason, my sister was actually treated like the baby of the family. And I don't think she actually experienced very much trauma at all. And maybe that's why she's still okay being so close to my mother after all of that. But um, my brother and I were definitely treated really shittily by both of our parents. And um, he's expressed to me this whole like, oh, I, I would have gotten so much further in life if I had had help from the family. And I was like, boy, I didn't have any help from the family. We grew up in the same family. Like it's doable. It's just unfortunately harder for you because, you know, he has his own personal challenges, but it's just really interesting to me. Like 
how differently we came up. And uh, I think it just has to do with, you know, he's got some emotional issues, some mental health issues that aren't being addressed at all because he, he doesn't have the support. Like he doesn't have a family to realize he has an issue, take him to the doctor, get him some therapy, get him some medication. If that's what he needs, like, um, yeah. Is he able to do that on his, on his own? Like, is he, is he self self-sufficient? Not especially no. So like I've talked to him about it and I said like, look, you, are on like government assistance. I'm sure they have some kind of program to get you some kind of help. Um, our, our cousin has, when he went to her and said like, Hey, can I move in? She said, no, I've got a full house, but I will take you to get whatever help you need. And he basically told her to go fuck herself. So I think there's like a level of being able to get help and actually wanting to get help or taking help that's offered to you, but it's not the help that you asked for, but it's still help, but he's not willing to accept that. He gets really angry. He's gets, he has like a really sensitive trigger. What's that called? Sensitive trigger for anger. Is that he gets angry really uh. easily, really quickly. Yeah. So he's a challenge. Um, I have to sort of like protect myself and my mental health by limiting my access to him and how much he accesses me. Um, I basically only have him on Facebook and have blocked him on everything else because we've, he's lashed out at me so many times and I can't take it anymore. Um, he's, he's lashed out at me to the point where on Twitter, which is obviously public, he's called me a see you next Tuesday and a bitch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't have any kind of like filter or realization for when he's hurting someone really deeply. And I think part of that is because he abuses substances as well. Um, he's just sort of like repeating the cycle of his father, my stepfather, because we're half siblings. Um, and so he's very verbally abusive. He's emotionally manipulative. He threatens to commit suicide constantly, which like, you know, you don't want to take those threats lightly. But sometimes it's like, hey, this is like the 30th time. Are you going to actually take any advice that I give you? to go and get help. The last time I was in New York and he just sends me this like ominous vague message on uh, Facebook. Like, I love you. Thanks for everything. Blah, blah, blah. Like I'm freaking out because then I can't reply to him because he deleted his Facebook account immediately after sending that. And I'm like Jeez. panicking. I'm like, I'm in fucking New York. What am I going to do? And we're in the back of a car, like going to the airport. And finally I'm like, my brain realized like, Oh, I can try messaging him on Instagram. Cause I have him on Instagram and he thankfully had that open. And so he could tell me the story and the whole reason he was freaking out and lashing out and deleting his Facebook was because of the thing I just told you where he went to my cousin, cousin to ask if he could move in there. And she's got like three kids, like five dogs. She's like, um, she provides boarding to this, uh, I'm not sure what the program is, but basically there's a mentally challenged man that she takes care of, not even part of her family. It's just through some program. Um, so like, no, I, I don't blame her for not taking my <laughs> broken little brother in, but offering to take him to the doctor is amazing. And he just like shat on her and then went on this whole self pity thing about not having help. And it's like, dude, but you just told me she offered you help anyway. So that's my family. <laughs> I don't hear from Absolutely. my sister because uh, she's doing great. <laughs> okay. Is that good? Like, do you have a healthy relationship with, with her? Mm, I wouldn't say so. 
um, like we've had our we've had our own fights about things, but they weren't as serious. It was more like, oh, you're being a selfish bitch. Like, stop doing that. And then I like we wouldn't speak for a couple of days and we don't we don't never really talk very often anyhow. So like but I don't worry about her the way I worry about like my brother. Um, and I think uh, I just have sort of gotten like from my upbringing and my wanting to distance myself from everything related to my parents. I've just really distanced myself from my family in general. And I definitely subscribe to the whole you choose your family like you're born into a family, but you don't have to stay with that family like you can choose your family who's going to support you and be there for you and who you actually want to be in your life. Um, yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to stay in a shitty, shitty, you don't have to stay in a shitty situation. Um, you know, there are, you'll find your people if you look for them and there are people who will care about you and love you the way everyone deserves to be loved. And, uh, the way I grew up was not something I deserved, but I survived it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's why I just like, I just try to be nice to everybody because you just don't know what someone is going through. You know, like I hid all of that. I didn't have people over to my house when I was a teenager. Like I hid so much from my friends. Um, they didn't know any of it. I told one of my best friends from high school, like just a few years ago, a lot of the stuff. And she was just like, holy crap. Like, Wow. Yeah. So choose, yeah. You, you know, um, family loyalty, you talked about that earlier and like, um, I would be really sad if anything happened to my brother or my sister or like my cousin or my extended family. Um, you know, but I, I really could not give a shit if anything bad happened to my mother or my stepdad. Like, I, I say that without any questioning, like would not attend their funeral, like would not invite them to my wedding if I ever was going to have one, like just no interest, no feelings. Um, because like, I just can't understand how, like, and I don't even want to have kids um, because I don't think I could give a child a life that, they deserve. Um, and I'm not necessarily interested in trying to, but like these people should not have had kids just straight up. I, they should not have. And yeah, I just have no feeling towards them. It's insane. Like I just, um, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> totally sidetracked. I met my biological father for the first time, um, a couple years ago at my paternal. So I kept in touch with my paternal grandparents but okay. he was out of the picture from like, I don't know, age two or five or something. Like I, I really didn't remember him growing up. Um, and I met him for the first time, um, a couple years ago, man, that guy's like actually a nutcase. <laughs> like he was, and, and my grandma told me like, he's addicted to pills. So he's a little bit weird. And I was like, a little bit weird. This guy believes every conspiracy theorist and uh, conspiracy theory under the sun. I'm surprised he's not wearing a tinfoil hat. He was like his, um, he, like, he, it's interesting. He reminded me a lot of my brother in terms of his emotional ups and downs, even though they're not related because my brother is from my stepdad. We're half siblings. Um, and I was just like, I just can't believe that I 
came from this person. Like this person, I'm a part of this person. Um, it was just so interesting to me and kind of scary actually. Yeah. Which what's, what's scary about it? Um, well, I think the part that worried me a little bit was like, clearly there's some mental health stuff going on with him. And like, I don't know if I'm susceptible to that. Um, like, I don't know what his deal was, but I was made very uncomfortable. Um, my grandma actually kind of did a shitty thing. Um, and I don't really like to blame her for it because like she was grieving, you know, my grandpa had just passed away and I was just like, I'm on my way. Like she's in Winnipeg. I was at work when she was texting me that my grandpa was in the hospital suddenly. And then, um, she's like, you know, you should maybe try to come. I don't think he's going to last very long. And so I was like, telling my boss, I'm like, I'm not coming in tomorrow. I'm going to be on a plane to Winnipeg. Like, um, and then he had passed away, like by the end of that day, before I even left work that day, he had actually passed away. But obviously I was like, I'm still coming. Oh, um, she didn't tell me until I think she texted me while I was on the plane. And so my phone was off and I, so I didn't get her text until I'd gotten off the plane. Um, saying that, um, cause I, she said, oh yeah, you can stay at my house. But she didn't tell me until it was too late that he was going to be staying at her house as well with her, with his wife or girlfriend or whatever. Um, so that was like, oh, okay. Like I was already thinking like, oh God, he's probably going to be there. Like not thinking that I'd be like basically living in the same house, house as him for a week. Um, which was so it was really upsetting. It w I was not ready for that. I was ready for like him to maybe just like be at the funeral and like stay at a hotel and me not really have to see him very much. Um, yeah. Or even have like, you know, like a short meeting. Yeah. Just like say hello to each other. Yeah. Cause that was, was that your first time? First time since, yeah. First time since I was like, again, like I'm not really exactly sure. Definitely like five or younger. So like 30 years. Wow. Yeah. And I hadn't like had any communication with him since then. So, and then, yeah, I was, I was, it was just a whole uncomfortable situation. And then to see how like unstable he was. Um, and like, again, like I don't know this man, so I don't have any like emotional connection to him. Um, but it, it was just more of like a heredit or like a genetics thing, a hereditary thing. Like is any of what he's going on, got going on with him right now, going to make its way to me somehow. And I think that's maybe partly, I mean, that probably contributes. I have many reasons for not wanting to have kids, but I think part of it is like, I'm, like I feel like I would be strong enough and capable of breaking that cycle and breaking that chain. But like, what if I'm oh, not, yeah, 100%. you know? So yeah. Anyway. Wow. I've just like sweated out all my water and I feel really dizzy. <laughs> Make sure you hydrate, drink some yes, water. I will. Um, <laughs> thank you for, for sharing all of that. Like, uh, holy shit, I had no idea. Um, you know me a little like better I said, now. Like, you should be like super fucking proud of yourself for, for distancing yourself from that. And like the, the person I know, like you, uh, hearing you talk about your parents, like you you sound completely unlike any of them. Uh, you're very like thoughtful and, and sweet and considerate and uh, a self-aware person. So 
Uh, this isn't an argument in favor of you having kids because that is totally your personal choice. But like, I I would not see you being the person to to continue that cycle. So yeah, no, I'm sure you're right. And like, there's many other reasons as well, like environmental. I remember when I was like nine years old and we started learning about like the environment and pollution and stuff in school. And I was like, Oh, you know what? That's a people problem. That's a too many people problem. I'm not <laughs> going to have your old Jess was like, I'm never having kids. And you want to hear something insane. I told my parents this at nine years old and they were like, that's bull- oh, my parents. I should warn everyone. They're pretty racist. <laughs> Another reason okay. to just fucking hate their pets. Um, oh yeah. My, my mom, before I blocked her on Facebook would love to share like anti-refugee posts and all kinds of stuff. Like she was a monster. Um, But yeah, basically they said that I was not allowed to make that decision because I had to make white babies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nine years old. They're telling their kid they need to make white babies. Like, fuck. (laughs) Uh, And that's like, the 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 really and not to minimize what what you went through and and grew up with at all, but like the fucking wildest thing to me is that there are probably so many people growing up in households like similar to what you experienced. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, totally. I I saw a stat. Oh, actually, you know what? I didn't talk about that, so I'm not going to talk about that. There's there's stuff I'm holding back um, because okay. Uh, Maybe only my therapist should hear some of that, <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's um, Wherever you're but you know, I, I see these stats about all the different facets of my childhood, you know, like how many people grow up going through this stuff and like, you know, it's not just poor families. Like there's rich families with these types of problems too. And um, like it, it finds its way into like every walk of life in our society. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know if all my problems would have been solved if my parents didn't drink or didn't drink as much or didn't do drugs. But I bet you at least half, maybe 75% of my problems would go away if they would just stop being so fixated, stop prioritizing substances and actually prioritize, like, raising their children in a decent household. We could have still been poor and, like, I would have been fine with that because, like, I feel like growing up poor made me really appreciate the things that I have and you know, like I'm fine with that, but like, it would have been nice to have food before they got beer. I'm just saying. Um, anyway. Yeah. Like, I don't know where beer falls on the, the hierarchy of needs, but, uh, I think it's some, somewhere near, near the bottom. Fucking low. (laughs) Uh, And like, that's the other is like, I don't know how many, family problems would be solved if people gave up alcohol or substances or just drank less, but there's never going to be more problems introduced because of that. Right. Yeah. Sorry. It took me a minute to realize what you were saying. Yes, I agree. 100%. If if you stop. Yeah. Like if you quit drinking or stopped abusing substances, you're not going to introduce more problems other than maybe like, well, now you have to confront your own shit and what caused you to to do those things in the first oh place. Oh my god, you mean looking after your mental health? Wow, yeah. what a what a fucking concept. Um, and it's great. Like, I, I bet you can follow these things like all the way back, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
like I look at like my grandparents were were very similar to to how my parents were, and mm-hmm. I'm sure their grandparents were as well. And there's like, um, yeah, it's just it's it's crazy to think that like the, the decisions of people uh, a few generations prior to us and, and the decisions they made around substances and, and the way they reacted to trauma has kind of like just trickled down to, to people, yeah. you know, three or four generations removed from them. Uh, kind of fucked to think about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh man, Derek, this was not necessarily a fun episode. So no apologies. How are you for, feeling? Uh, apologies to our listeners. If we were just a huge friggin' downer, <laughs> I feel like I was yeah. such a downer. You weren't at all like uh, you have a great story. And like I said, like the the person that you are now is is very far removed. You should be super proud of that. But like, I, I hope that people listen to this and, you know, if if they I think you in particular, you would have really great advice around just removing yourself from from toxic relationships. And you aren't like you aren't beholden to anyone in your life, whether they're like family or friends or a partner, if they are bad for you and you can recognize that you don't know them anything mm-hmm. like get the fuck out of there. Yeah. I would say that that definitely works to my benefit. Sometimes, um, sometimes not necessarily like I, uh, I find it hard to, I, I think the flip side of this is that I do find it hard to make more meaningful friendships because um, maybe there's, not a trust issue thing, but I just, I feel like, yeah, like I don't necessarily feel like a a strong sense of loyalty to a lot of people. Like I'm very loyal to my partner and like a couple of really close friends. But like, um, I think part of that is sometimes it means doing what I'm doing right now, like meeting new people and making another deep and meaningful connection means I have to go through this whole thing all over again, letting people in and telling them like my story. And um, I think that, can get really exhausting. And so there are things that I still haven't really told anyone. I really only told my brother certain things like within the last couple of years. Um, yeah, it's, I think that is sort of like the, the other side of the coin is, um, yeah, like I can let people go, but sometimes it means I'm like, I don't need to let anyone in either. True. Although like to let someone in, I don't know, do you have to tell them everything or do you just have to like open yourself up and and be vulnerable? Like I think now uh, if you want to let someone in, you can just kind of point them in the direction of this podcast. Oh, that's lovely. Say, hey, go listen to this and we'll talk later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, let me know what you think about that. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so much easier. Totally. Yeah, I think actually I just gave myself an idea where I'm just going to like record my entire life story and just like point people towards Amazing. it uh, whenever I want to let them in. Yeah, just record like a Derek's FAQs. And yeah. yeah, there you go. Cool. Well, should we move on to something maybe lighter, depending on what we're recommending? <laughs> Depending on what we're recommending, yeah, I will, uh, you know, preempt this by saying I have absolutely nothing. Uh, okay, I have some stuff I can recommend. So, uh, do you do you want to go? You want me to go? I can go. So, okay. I think this might be the first uh, podcast recommendation on the show, but I imagine there's going to be a lot because I actually would love to hear in future episodes, uh, podcast recommendations from you, because I know you listen to a lot of podcasts centered around sobriety and sober living, but I've tried to find some and 
Um, I haven't really enjoyed many of the ones that I found either. Like I'm, I'm a little bit of a snob when it comes to like production value. And so if they sound really crappy, Ooh. I know <laughs> Yes, <laughs> everyone's like, Oh wait, did you guys hear yourself in the first three episodes? I know I'm very aware of how <laughs> shitty I sounded. Okay. <laughs> I won't listen. You sound great now. Thank though. you. You got there. Thank eventually. you. Yeah. I can't listen to those episodes. Um, so I still don't really know what we said, but <laughs> this podcast that I did find, is called Boozeless Austin. And I didn't actually think I was going to like it because right off the bat, I could tell it was going to be very centered around things to do in Austin, Texas. But I actually am surprised that I do want to keep listening and hear their story because they sort of, it's a couple and they're doing a boozeless journey together. And they have already addressed the fact that they're not sure if it's going to be permanent or not, but they're doing at least 30 days. Um, and they're doing an episode a week to recap the previous week. Um, and I really like them as a couple. They're really sweet. They're really supportive of each other and really encouraging. And they also just really love their city. So they're really good at like finding free things to do in Austin and like anything where it's like booze free or um, possibly like it might be like a picnic sort of thing where like they'll warn you like, okay, people do bring alcohol to this thing if that's a trigger for you, but like you don't have to bring alcohol or you can go if you don't want to drink that kind of thing. Um, and I, I hate that I don't actually know their names because I'm only on episode three. Um, but it is, oh, wait, (laughs) there was an article that I read and I can't remember. You might've actually shared it. It was about a sans bar. Yeah. So they were actually talked about a little bit in that article. And so I went and found their podcast. Um, and it's really cool because yeah, like I said, they do talk a lot about like things to do in Austin and they're really like showcasing their city, but they also talk a lot about like their struggles and their successes. Um, they talk sort of about like things that happened during the week that made them really like wish they could have a drink, even though they weren't going to. And, um, I really liked on episode three, they tasted some non-alcoholic spirits. Um, they So they each made their own sort of like version of a cocktail with them or a mocktail. And then they each tried just like a shot of the spirits straight. Um, and they seemed to like them. And it actually made me kind of want to see if I could find them. But yeah, so I... Is it the seed, seed lift yeah, stuff? Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually have a bottle in my house. Someone gave it to me on oh, New really? Year's Eve. Um, this past year and it's it's it yeah it's very uh botanical when i first drank it i was like oh this this straight up like tastes like compost um but i was i was just drinking it straight i wasn't doing like because someone gave me the bottle and i was like cool thanks i guess i'll just like drink Mm. this stuff by itself but um in in like mocktails and stuff it it can apparently be really good i just went to check out this uh boozeless austin they apparently uh, follow the Van Sober Instagram oh, account, which is nice. good to um, And you have to I have been them talking. We shouted them out. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I've been talking to Chris from uh, Sandsbar, who uh, who you mm-hmm. mentioned previously about potentially bringing uh, one of their events to to Vancouver. So amazing. we'll be looking at hosting one of those in the the near future. Uh, if you are listening in the Vancouver yeah. area. Anyway, yeah, go give them a listen. I really like their chemistry as a couple and I like the way they approach the topic and I like all the suggestions that they give. They give a lot of suggestions of, for example, that um, 
whatever you called it, the, the non-alcoholic spirits, they give sort of like a couple recipes for the cocktails that they tried and what they recommend with it. And um, yeah, they're, they're super cool. I like them. Cool. I was like, yeah, uh, sobriety podcasts are, are pretty hit or miss. Um, there are some some great personalities out there, but I think uh, by and large, uh, they've the ones I've listened to have been mm, misses. Okay. So, uh, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll I will wait on that. Recommend then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. What do you have? Okay. Okay. So I mentioned this guy previously. Um, John Kim, angry mm-hmm. therapist. Oh yeah, the, the man, uh, the man therapist for men, or something. <laughs> the, the man therapist for men, the, the manly man therapist. Yes. <laughs> um, this wasn't going to be my original recommendation, so I'm just going to drop this, and then I'm going to do my original recommendation. Okay. But uh, his his latest episode, and, and your recommendation just kind of uh, reminded me of this. His latest episode, he interviews his girlfriend, who is also a therapist. Oh. Um, and it's an hour long episode Just and like it's this episode uh, is an hour. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. This is going to be a, a lengthy one, but a lot of, like we said, there's going to be some meaty mm-hmm. shit in here. Uh, we're going to tack on Scott's stuff at, at the end of yeah. the episode, but Anyways, um, sorry, I interrupted. Oh, what was I saying? Oh, he interviews his girlfriend and a lot of it's like really cute and I really like their vibe and they like, uh, they obviously are very fond of each other and communicate mm-hmm. very well. And he's interviewing her and her, um, she has a really interesting segment in it basically on uh, trauma as initiation is, is how she puts it. And she talks about how, um, yeah, shitty, like shitty things in life sometimes happen. And, and sometimes there are a, a, a lot of times they're really necessary to like, that's the only thing that are going to move people forward. Um, and it's shitty that it, that it has to be that way. But a lot of the times, like if you're, you know, stuck in a, in a stagnant relationship or a stagnant job, or, you know, you're not really, um, developing as, as a person or becoming the person that, that you want to be or are meant to be, uh, something really shitty has to happen to kind of break you out of that, that spell and, and get you moving. Um, and it made me, it made me think about, uh, you know, obviously me, uh, sobering up and, and my, my sober story. And then it, uh, it also kind of, I thought there was an interesting tie in there to the, the story you just told about your family is that, um, you know, maybe that shit was, was meant to happen so that you could become this person, the person that you are yeah. now. Yeah. As much as like, I think that I would go back and be happy to not go through that stuff again. I mean, I would be a different person and I, I do really like who I am right now. Um, and as you as said, you like I, I can toot my own horn and say that I have a lot to be proud of and I'm not, I don't feel ashamed to say that. Like I'm happy to take pride in, in my journey and my accomplishments thus far in spite of everything. So yeah, I'd say more so. I mean, even if you hadn't had that upbringing, I think you should still take pride in your accomplishments and the shit you're doing. I'm, but, a, uh, I'm like a real ass adult here. <laughs> You, you are. It was so you interviewed me for your creativity yes. podcast uh, a few months ago. And your question for me at the time was like, oh, you have all these projects. How do you do so much shit? And then I look at your like 
your Instagram today and you're blogging and you're illustrating and now you're involved in like three podcasts and you're like, (laughs) you're doing so much. And I'm just like, it seems like a bit of a role reversal because I had to walk myself back from a lot of the things I was involved in because I was just like, it's too much. Like, um, It's about finding the balance though, right? So like I took my other podcast and changed from a weekly posting schedule to a bi-weekly posting schedule because I did feel like it was taking on too much too large of a pie piece when it comes to like the hours that I have. Um, and I, I wanted to keep the podcast going and keep it, you know, biweekly is still a good momentum, I think, but I definitely did need to roll that back so that I could focus more on illustration. I also took all my remaining vac- uh, vacation time from my day job and used it so that I take one day off a week as vacation. And that gives me an extra day a week to work on personal projects and illustration and stuff like that. So um, it looks like I'm I'm doing a lot, but I've sort of given myself more time <laughs> to be able to do that. So because that's that's important to me. Like yeah. that's I, I hope no one from my work is listening, but like all the stuff that I do outside of work is way more important than the stuff I do at work. Like just being real. <laughs> I don't. I don't think my passion projects or what I do outside of work would be considered a controversial opinion (laughs) anywhere, possibly in a union. I don't know, (laughs) but I feel like that's how it is for most people. Um, But yeah, so yeah, I, I, I like the sort of life that I've built and I like what I've become and um, I'm just going to keep making that work as well as I can. And if something becomes too overwhelming, then I'll, I'll scale back because um, like, I don't ever want to quit anything, but I'm definitely okay with scaling stuff back and setting boundaries. And, um, and that comes with some friendships too. Like, you know, setting boundaries is important. Um, You know, if I think I said it before in another episode, possibly um, if you have, Maybe I didn't. Maybe I thought it and didn't say it. I can't remember. But, you know, if you've got friends that maybe drink more than you're comfortable being around, maybe just scale back how much you see those people or suggest going on a coffee date with them instead of going out with them Friday night. Or, you know, like you can keep people in your life with boundaries. And if that's not going to work, then you need to know where your line is. And yeah. So where, where did you hone your, your boundary setting skills? Cause that's something I've definitely identified that, that I need uh, to work on myself because I've spent like a ton of time in my life as, as a people pleaser and always worrying about whether people liked me or not. And uh, having to, uh, and, and now I'm like, okay, like I, I am who I am. Like I'm a person, I provide value. I have worth. It doesn't matter it doesn't necessarily matter. Like people's perceptions of me are just going to be their perceptions of me. That is the objective truth. But I still have a hard time, really hard time saying no to people, uh, really hard time, like not feeling like I have to fill in this void in my life by being like doing things all the time. Um, so how, and this is for, for my personal benefit, but also for, uh, I'm sure le- listeners are curious, like how, how did you get so good <laughs> at setting boundaries? Um, I mean, in your it's still life? a work in progress. So I did the thing of like sort of following a lot of self-care accounts on Instagram that, you know, really promote like taking downtime, taking time for yourself, not feeling guilty about it, being okay with doing nothing sometimes. Like if I spend a day just sitting in front of the TV playing video games, like that's not the end of the world. I, while I'm doing that, I still in the back 
Do you a little bit? Do you play video Not games? Not the types of video games that you would imagine. I mean, well, maybe you would imagine. So I play a game called Stardew Valley, which is like a farming simulator. Literally nothing nothing happens. Except you can okay. get married and divorce people and then they hate you forever and but you can still grow your blueberries. I don't know. It's super fun and, and nothing happens and like the most adventure you have is having to go kill monsters in a cave so you can get gold, but um, it's super chill. I like games where nothing happens. Um, because it's relaxing for me. I don't want to be stressed. Like I'm there to just like escape and pretend I live on a farm, not like be in a war or something. Um, I don't. Well, you don't have to like, yeah, spend too much exactly. mental it's more like it. It my, like, right? my escape. Like, exactly. Like it's zone out time. Um, but back to what I was saying, setting boundaries. Um, so part of that does come with like knowing your worth and being secure in your, in your relationships. Like you're already a very, um, secure person in yourself as you've expressed, you know, you've come since your sobriety, you've become more happy with who you are and secure with who you are. And that leads to being able to set boundaries. Um, also just keeping it like, basically it comes down to self care. Um, like the whole, I know it's cliche at this point, but self care isn't selfish and you need to be able to take care of yourself to take care of others. And you need time to rest. Like rest and sleep are so important. That's why I was like, no, Derek, we can't start at whatever time you said, nine o'clock. I'm like, I need to be in bed by then. Although it's it's going late anyway, because I don't know how we manage to talk so much when Scott's not even here. Like, <laughs> it's Which, been- <laughs> without Scott, yeah. Like, sorry, Scott, yeah. we need you here to keep us in so check. I don't spend an hour depressing everybody with my life story, but um yeah. So a lot of it is just, um, and I, I'm like the type of person I've sort of given up on the whole, like waiting around for people thing. Like, um, I'm very, I, I value my own time. I think that's a, I value my own time. And so, you know, you've got those friends who are always like, let's hang out sometime. And you're like, great. Okay. Like when give me a time. Like I have a friend who comes into, he might listen to this. And if he hears this, oh, well, I'm calling him out not by name, but he'll, he might know who he is, but he moved to LA like ages ago and he comes into town every now and then. And he's going to be like, I'm in town, like from this state to this state. And I'm like, great. Here are the days that I'm free during that time. Pick one. And he won't pick one. And then it's like, okay, well you left already and you didn't pick a date. Like, what did you want me to do? Wait around for you? Or like, did you want me to pick a date? Like, I don't know what your plans are here. So like, um, I'm sort of like the person where it's like, you either give me a date and time and a place to meet you, or we don't have plans. Like I'm going to go do something else. Um, I'm not going to wait around all day to figure out what you want to do. <laughs> I'm super guilty for that. Like I will, I'm always the person who will like, and maybe part of it is now that I think about it, like I'll run into people and be like, Oh, we should get coffee sometime. See, and then like, when I hear not, that, not I'm like, you don't really want to. And I'm not going to, if you don't want to make an effort, I'm not going to make an effort because I don't have to like, why do I always have to be the one to put myself out there? I've been in too many one-sided relationships where I've done all the work. And this is like, not just partner relationships, but like friendships as well. I've been in so many one-sided friendships where I just feel like, I feel like I'm the only one interested in maintaining this friendship. And that's not cool with me. Like I'm a valuable person too. And if you want to see me, you'll reach out. And if you don't reach out, then I guess we're just not going to see each other. You know, like that's sort of like a huge boundary for me. And then just, yeah, like don't overbook yourself. Um, Yeah. That's, I don't know. I just, I've learned to value myself a lot more. I guess that's the big, the big thing. And that makes it really easy to set boundaries. Because, yeah, well, yeah, it sounds like you value yourself, you value your time and you 
it sounds like you were very much in yeah, charge of man. your own life, which is the thing. I don't know. A lot Take of people charge. can say they experience that. Be the change or whatever. You know, All the, how many more Pinterest quotes can I spit out in this last little bit of this episode? <laughs> there, I, I like that we're Me ending it too. on an inspiring note after uh, all that heavy shit. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad you know me a little bit better. And I'm glad we got me this episode too. over uh, with. And I'm really sad that Scott's not here. Yeah. Scott, you're going to listen to this and be like, <laughs> holy shit. And then uh, Jessica and I are forever going to be closer <laughs> than Scott's you and her are. Because I was here to listen to it. So. Right, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We love you, Scott. Please come back. We do love you, Scott. You you make the podcast better. Uh, just like particularly thank you uh, a, a lot for opening up with with all of that. I knew it was going to be tough for you. Even like three weeks ago, you talked yeah, about how nervous because you, you didn't even tell us. You just put then, it on the list. And then I uh, saw it on the Google Doc and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, boy. All right. Or no, I think maybe it came up in passing. And then I saw you type it into the Google Doc and I was like, oh, that's going to happen. OK, frick. <laughs> I got to get ready. <laughs> I'm glad it's it did happen. Yeah. Happened in a big way. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I do definitely feel that I, I know you better and I hope our listeners do as well. And, uh, yeah. Thanks. You're, you're awesome. I'm really, really surprised. I didn't cry. I almost did. I almost did, but I held it together for everybody. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to go have a good cry. I'm probably going to pass out. This is one of those things where it's like, um, I had a job interview today, which I spent about four hours or five hours of my day today being nervous. And then I came and did this and spent another like two hours being nervous because nervous before like the leading up to it. So I've just been nervous all day. I'm just going to like pass out and have the hardest sleep of my life. I'm just going to be a rock. I'm really looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, are we done? Any further business? Uh, did you finish your recommend? Yeah, I don't just, uh, yeah, you did. Hey, Oh, the other one. Yeah. So I did the John Kim thing and then I'm reading a book, but I'll just save that All for right. the next, uh, next recommend. I read, I read books. Oh, Powell city Powell? of books in Portland, yes. Oregon, where I just was, uh, yeah, that's definitely a recommend for me. Second that, uh, Hey, everyone, thanks for listening to this episode or joining us for this meeting of the Club Soda Club. Uh, If you would like to learn more about sober events going on in Vancouver uh, or join our sober community, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Van Sober. Uh, I'm Jess Couture, and I just changed my Twitter handle so that my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle match. I've got my life together, you guys. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jess Couture Art. And that's pretty much it for now. Yeah. Not uh, a boundary master. Mm, no, boundary maybe I'll have a, just. I'll have a, a Skillshare class on setting boundaries in the future. <laughs> yeah. No, I would 100% <laughs> join that if you did. So. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. This concludes meeting five of the club soda club meeting adjourned. Hey everyone, it's Scott here. Uh, Obviously, I am not on the show this week. I am either away traveling or working, depending on the day that Jess and Derek are recording. But I just wanted to pop in and say hello and uh, just quickly touch on 
this week's topic, which is family. Uh, There has been some addiction in my family, whether it be on my side or my in-laws side. There's definitely uh, a history of addiction, specifically alcohol addiction on my side of the family. I think that when you see that as a child or even as an adult in other parts of your family, it's easy for you to say, well, I could never be like that. And I used to say that to myself all the time. Like, I don't know how those people got that way. That's never going to be me. And the hardest thing was when I realized that I was absolutely the same uh, as those people I didn't ever want to be like. And uh, that can be a hard thing to deal with. And if you need help with that, reach out. Also, if you're on the other side of the coin and you see addiction in your family, reach out to those people. Tell them that there is resources available offer to help them, let them know that you're there. Uh, Don't try to force them into anything, but just have the conversation. It's going to be hard, but it's definitely going to be worth it in the long run. So what am I doing this week uh, or what are my recommendations to do instead of drinking? Uh, (laughs) I just, I take pictures. That's my thing, right? That is my escape. That has been my addiction since... Uh, just before I stopped drinking, to be honest. But if I didn't have photography in my life, uh, I think quitting would have been a lot harder. And I think about that a lot. And uh, it's nice to have a hobby that doesn't have to involve other people and doesn't have to involve social situations. Something where I can just get away uh, and be myself and have some time in my own head creating and really just getting out and enjoying the outside as well, which is a big plus to photography. So I will see you guys in the next episode and big shout out to Jess and Derek for letting me pop in here on this episode. Uh, You can follow me on the internet at WFLBC pretty much everywhere. Thanks again. We'll see you next week or in a couple weeks or whenever we record again. Nothing in this podcast constitutes medical or professional advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, there are a number of resources available. We'll link to these resources in the show notes for each episode so that you can get the support you need.